This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Dubai is well known for its incredible feats of architecture, from the Burj Khalifa, which is the world's tallest building currently, to the world's only seven-star hotel, to the largest mall and indoor ski resort. You name it, Dubai probably has it. But it gets even more incredible than that, even more excessive, one could say. Back in 2003, Dubai announced that they were creating a series of man-made archipelagos. The first would be the Palm Islands. Palm Jumeirah, Palm Jebel Ali, and Palm Dera. As the name suggests, these would be magnificent man-made islands shaped like palm trees. The second would be called the world, and it was going to be a group of 300 islands forming like a map of the entire world itself. And thirdly, the universe would be a recreation of the constellations. It sounds so incredible, so unreal, so impossible that something like this could even be done successfully. Like seriously, Would the workers have to turn on terraforming like an animal crossing to make this happen? What kind of magic would you need to possess? Well, apparently with enough money, anything is possible. And with Dubai being one of the richest cities out there, this wasn't really much of a problem. As the New York Times put it in 2005, Dubai was and is considered a, quote, glimmering hub of capitalism and tourism. Stunning, tall, luxurious buildings and symbols of wealth within that space are simply how things are done, how they operate. Quote, Dubai is a city under construction 24 hours a day, and what is being built often seems like a caricature of Western excess. So naturally, this project of man-made islands was going to be gorgeous too, right? Well, if you watch any video tours of the island, that's definitely what you'll be led to believe. You'll hear how Dubai's shoreline has been expanded by hundreds of miles, and how these bold mega projects have become the eighth wonder of the world. Or if you watch a documentary, chances are that they might portray the islands as an incredibly difficult engineering project with stunning worthwhile results, complete with dramatic reality TV show music too. But how accurate are these narratives? If this really is a grand success, why aren't all the islands open to the public? What about the world and the universe? How profitable has this actually been? Well, that's what we're going to explore today in the Corporate Casket. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was great excitement, and there was great anticipation, and a little bit of fear. Is it in the right place? We had to stand on it. Uh, this tiny little precipice of rock in the middle of the ocean. 
uh, and look back at Dubai and say that this is the beginning of our job. One of the best job. parts about it is that when you get frustrated of all the challenges and the paperwork and the meetings and everything that goes with building a project like this, you come outside, you see the sunset, you see the sea, and uh, you really realize not only is it an amazing project, but it's an amazing setting. It seems so promising at first. Dubai conquered incredible architectural projects before, so this should be much of the same, right? Well, here's actually the first hurdle. The research wasn't even completed before the project began. Millions of dollars have been spent hiring the world's top reclamation engineers. They've worked on huge projects, like Hong Kong's Cheplak Kok Airport, Holland's North Sea Wall, and Singapore's industrial And if we're gonna be honest here, that fact alone leaves me absolutely no sympathy for whatever happened to these developers. No matter how many billions of dollars were sunk into this, it was completely deserved. This was a never before done thing and unprecedented build, but hey, let's not complete the research around that and you know, it'll be fine. Sure, that sounds incredibly smart. Now, if that's the attitude they had truly, then these developers deserve to go out of business from this. The research team did work out that the water was too shallow for catastrophic waves to build up, but persistent winds and large destructive currents in the winter and the rising sea level and the kind of sand needed for the project were all factors not fully taken into account. For example, even though Dubai is in the desert, you can't simply dump the desert into the water and go, yay, island complete. That's not how it works. Desert sand is actually too fine to use. It would be simply washed away. So layers of rock and rubble were needed to protect that sand and form the island itself. So, okay, that sounds good. Now you've effectively created a fence of rock and dumped sand in place. No water flowing in or out, great. This means the people walking around on these islands won't be washed away. But that also means that the water is stagnant and there's no circulation. Not only did this reek and quite literally smell disgusting as the water bloomed between the branches of the island's palm tree shape, but it can be extremely dangerous too. Stagnant waters can grow dangerous waterborne pathogens like Legionella, AKA the thing that causes Legionnaire's disease, which is a serious lung infection. This is why you may have heard that if you're ever lost in the woods or something and you need to drink water, to try and drink fresh running water and not stagnant water. This is also why we need to do research when building an island. I'm confident that at least one researcher out there could have looked at their original design, the one without any breaks in the outer ring, and said that the lack of circulation can be dangerous. At least I'd hope so. Like, yes, you did hire incredible engineers, but they need all the scientific research and information available to ensure that this design is not only possible, but safe. They were able to fix this before it was too late, thankfully, but there were some other complications, ones that were unrelated to the project itself. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Bryant Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane Nearly as soon as they began, tragedy struck on September 11, 2001. Tourism to the Middle East was ground to a halt. Dubai designed this island to draw in people from all over the world, and now businesses and beaches were deserted. Dubai itself was very quiet, but still the project continued on, until winter that is. Violent thunderstorms, high winds, and dust storms delayed building the Palm Island. They had a schedule of only two years to build this thing, which is incredibly short, and the weather stopped building for almost a month, which is not a small bit of time. But what could they do? Well, they decided to build the breakwater and the sand foundations at the same time. The Palm Island itself was completed in time with infrastructure delays, but the same could not be said of the other projects. 
In fact, the world was ending and not the entire world. That didn't happen until, you know, 2020 essentially, but the project was meant to be a 300 island recreation of the world map. According to the elite traveler, even after almost $15 billion had been spent, only one Palm Island was complete. With a failure this huge, developers were, quote, forced to deny rumors that the world islands were sinking back into the ocean. Now, from what I've been able to gather, this has happened because of earthquakes. One documentary explained this pretty simply and effectively. When the water is dispersed and covers the island, the sand can vanish beneath the waves. It's a simple concept, but a pretty massive problem if you're building islands. If you continue watching, you'll see that this problem was addressed by effectively drilling into the island and compacting the sand, but other sources have said that this simply was not enough. The islands are still submerged by five millimeters per year, and even a number as small as this can create buildings cracking, leaking pipes, broken windows, and more. Sure, we may not notice this just a decade or two into the project, but it implies this man-made structure simply was not built to last. And I won't lie, hearing that is incredibly discouraging. What was the point of spending all those billions upon billions of dollars just to make a temporary showy island that seems almost destined to vanish beneath the waves? As it turns out, I'm not the only one asking that question. And there are others that see the islands as far more than wasteful, but downright harmful. This project literally changed the way the currents behaved. To say environmentalists wouldn't be happy would be an understatement. Some say this isn't simply playing nature, but it's truly damaging it for profit. Tina Butler wrote on Manga Bay in 2005 that construction on these projects were burying coral reefs, oyster beds, subterranean fields of seagrass, and threatening local marine species. Not only that, but she added that the crystal clear, beautiful waters in Dubai's Gulf were now clouded with sand. That sounds extremely horrible on the surface, but for the sake of being unbiased, let me go ahead and present the other side of the argument. The documentary that presents these islands as a glorious architectural marvel has said that the island has actually attracted new marine life. Every six weeks, divers check the waters. Fish and corals are monitored and measured. But fears that construction may have destroyed this underwater world appear unfounded so far. In fact, this megastructure seems to be having the opposite effect. Not only is the marine life unaffected by dredges removing a meter thick layer of sand, but the breakwater has created shelter for fish and is attracting new species into the area. Now the palm developers are turning- And if I'm being honest advantage. here, it does sound a little bit too good to be true. On one hand, developers are saying that the structure encourages marine life, while environmentalists say that it clearly does the opposite. So where does the truth lie? To some extent, it's hard to tell, and we can't know the decades-long effect until the decades pass, and we're just simply not there yet. Once again, from the research that I am able to find, it's looking like both sides do have a point. The UN's University International Network on Water, Environment, and Health stated that in 2009, marine life has slowly returned to the coastline. Though more complex habitat characteristics were present in the past, it seems likely that in the future, there will be an even more interesting marine environment. Others say, sure, this is true, but only because there's nowhere else for the fish to go. The number of fish increasing is purely because other habitats have been ruined. Plus, you can't say that the breakwaters are good for the environment because as they erode, their sediment will impede the growth of coral. As with most issues, they aren't as black and white as most people would expect or maybe want them to be. Building a bunch of man-made islands without completed research sounds reckless and horrible for the marine life that lives there. Therefore, I can't give the developers credit that, you know, hey, they didn't destroy as many fish as we thought they would. 
At best, this is a happy accident. I truly doubt that they went into this project saying, hey, this is actually gonna help marine life. I'm pretty sure this was about making money. The Manga Bay article adds that Nakheel developers have admitted their work has buried reefs, but they've promised to build artificial reefs as well, and they hired a marine biologist to monitor and rehabilitate the ones that they damaged. And I think that's a good step, but I'm not sure why the situation was ever presented as a plus within the documentary, or why these steps and precautions weren't taken to begin with. I also took a look at more recent articles on the topic to see if anything new had been discovered and if the reefs have truly continued to flourish or not. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the lasting effect has not been very positive. Dubai has become the new Las Vegas in terms of excessive energy and natural resource use. Even if we've heard the argument that marine life can and will flourish once again, it doesn't change the resources needed to keep these islands running. And not to mention that as Dubai continues to build and try to create the world and the other palm islands and such, more marine life is being buried in sediment and destroyed. I'd love to believe things could change, but as Carla Pierini put it, quote, what incentives are there for Dubai to ever prioritize ecological matters over its thriving tourism industry? Until this question is properly addressed, the city is unlikely to change its course of action. It's a simple and depressing fact. Profits are prioritized over the environment all the time. But wait a minute, that sounds a bit different from the phrase we know, profits over people. As it turns out, that motto works well here too. Now, before I continue on into this section, I want to make it abundantly clear that I'm not sure exactly how much worker mistreatment took place during this exact project and the building of the Palm Islands. Many of the sources that discuss Dubai's migrant workers talk about the city as a whole. That said, I do have to agree with Business Insider that it simply feels wrong to call the place a luxurious tourist destination when it was built on the backs and even deaths of countless migrant workers. Almost 90% of Dubai's residents are workers brought in for construction projects or service jobs, hoping to make better pay in Dubai than they can in their home country. Dubai and the UAE by extent, they know they can take advantage of this. Migrant workers say they face brutal work conditions, shifts of 12 hours or more, and that companies withhold paychecks or workers' passports so as to not let them quit or return home. And that sounds incredibly illegal and horrifying, and even if that is legal over there, I would say it's unethical as well. And you'd probably wish that this wasn't real, but what plan of action or recourse can these workers actually take? They're in a different country, their passports were confiscated, and they have no way to get home without money, and many even owe their employers money. The kafala or visa sponsorship means that employers have to sponsor visas for a fee, and the fee in turn gets passed down to the employee. In short, these bosses can say, hey, you're gonna make a ton of money at this new job, we're going to send you over and sponsor your visa, pay us back later. And why wouldn't you if you think you're gonna make it rich, right? But those fees and that travel is pricey, and the job doesn't pay as much as you thought. And under this rule, if you try to quit, you can literally be imprisoned for it. So yeah, rage quitting over horrible conditions isn't really an option. Sarah Leah Whitson, a director in Human Rights Watch, told the New York Times, quote, there is a huge dependence on migrant workers who have employment terms that are no different than indentured servitude. Remember, this isn't a few dozen or even a few hundred lives we're talking about either. And while that number would still be terrible, there are hundreds of thousands of migrant workers in Dubai, many of them facing these conditions. At this point, I would say it's pretty clearly a systemic issue. Things are being done to solve the problems bit by bit. Training sessions are held to educate workers on their rights and laws around working hours, sick leave, and violence against workers have all recently been passed. 
Still, there's something that feels inherently off about calling the Palm Islands a wonder of the world when they may have been built this way. So the question, were they? Did the Palm Islands also use this form of indentured servitude? Well, it sure looks like it. Machines and developers may have been in charge of laying the groundwork, but the towers atop that eighth wonder of the world faced downright abusive conditions. Aside from passports being withheld and the work being quite dangerous as is, employers gave little assurance that they'd cover any potential healthcare needs. Human Rights Watch found that in the UAE, there are only 140 government inspectors for almost a quarter million businesses that employ migrant workers. Only 140 people for a quarter million businesses. Is it any wonder that enforcing the safety of these workers seems downright impossible? That's close to 2,000 businesses per person, so of course things are going to fall through the cracks. Worse still is the fact that we don't even truly know how bad things are. Dubai's government has said that 34 construction workers died on site in 2004, then 39 in 2005. And while tragic, perhaps these numbers are not as bad as you would have thought for an abusive, gigantic, poorly regulated industry. The trouble is, a local trade publication found that the number of deaths of Indian workers alone was much higher than that. The reality is these construction companies simply are not reporting death and injury to the government, which according to HRW, strongly suggests a cover-up within the sector. Abuses have gotten so bad that it didn't surprise me to see a clip of one UAE man holding Indian workers in a cage, demanding that they be loyal to the UAE. As it turns out, this was meant to be some form of a silly joke because the UAE and Indians were competing during a sporting event. But I guess it just shows how unsurprising worker abuse has become when someone can look at this clip and not be fully surprised to think that it's genuine. Either way, this is not a funny joke, at least in my eyes, given what we've discussed, and given the lose-lose situation that many are put in, workers are simply mistreated. Laws are made to try and prevent these abuses. Cover-ups are implemented. What does that leave us with then? A system of exploitation and abuse that feels undefeatable. Plus, it's difficult for workers to move to a different job, so you aren't eligible to do so for two years once being contracted. You literally have to get your present employer's consent to move. There are so many countless articles about how many lives Dubai's skyscrapers have claimed. To be clear, this does happen all over the world, including the US, so I'm not trying to imply that Dubai is the only one with these problems. However, as they grow and build at unprecedented rates, so do these kinds of exploitations. I don't think it would be right to discuss these architectural marvels without mentioning the true cost that they come with. As The Guardian puts it, quote, Dubai is considered an emirate under a popular, liberal, benevolent, and forward-looking ruling family that has managed to develop the economy and extend its hands to the outside world without compromising its culture or values. Nobody is naive enough to claim that capitalism does not claim casualties and create classes, or that expatriates from the subcontinent have not made happy and relatively lucrative lives in the region, but Dubai's name is becoming stained by the blood of migrant workers. And what is it all for at the end of the day? What has become of the prince's pet projects and Dubai's luxury tourism? Is it really worth it? Well, let's take a moment to see the results of all of these supposed eighth wonder of the world projects right after today's sponsors. Tired of the endless search for the perfect outfit? Stitch Fix is here to make it easy. Using their online platform and expert stylist, you'll have access to a custom wardrobe that fits your style and budget. Stitch Fix is the easy way to get clothing that fits you without having to 
endlessly scroll through options. All you have to do is answer a few questions about where you typically get your clothes from, what you like to wear, your price range, and your sizes. And they have a whole wide range of sizes, ranging from extra small to triple XL. They'll find your perfect fit and send you clothes handpicked for you. And inside the Stitch Fix app, one of the things that I really like too is they offer these little quizzes that are just a bunch of visuals showing you different photos of clothing, like compare these two tops or compare these two pants and you know tell us which one you like more. And it helps them continually tailor your style and what you're looking for. It's really great. And Stitch Fix has you covered with over 1000 brands and styles you know and love. And they'll show you how to wear head to toe outfits so that you can just get dressed and go live your life. So try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com slash casket and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Again, that's stitchfix.com slash casket for 25% off today. stitchfix.com slash casket. Today's episode is also sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save money when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Now we all know that inflation has been less than kind to pretty much every single one of us and that everything costs more, but no one's really making more. Therefore, we have tighter budgets and we need a deal, a coupon or something to save money just to get by. Thankfully, Honey is here to help and manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. And that's because Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you go to checkout, the Honey button appears. All you do is click apply coupons and wait while it searches. If it finds a working coupon, you're gonna watch those prices drop. I recently mentioned that I was buying some more toys for Casper because he is somewhat destructive at times. Like he'll keep a toy for six months and then all of a sudden just destroy it in like a day. I don't know why he's like, oh, for the first six months, this is fine. And then on six months and one day, he's like, actually, no, it's not fine anymore. But he does that, I guess just dog things. And uh, so it's time to go buy him some new toys. And Honey found me a 15% off coupon, which was absolutely fantastic because saving some money is better than saving no money. And Honey doesn't just work on desktop, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. So if you don't already have Honey, you could just be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash casket. Again, that's joinhoney.com slash casket. Dubai has created some lovely expensive sand dunes in the water. And look, I'm not trying to say that that's all they did. The Palm Jumeirah is lavish, beautiful, and by all accounts, a fantastic place to travel. Yet it still ended up being extremely costly and not nearly as lucrative as they thought. There are so many vacant Palm Island plots out there and there's hardly anything built on the World Island. Projects there are underway, but seemingly slow going. The universe, the constellations that would be located around the world were never realized. While planning, research, and environmental concerns are all a part of this, the global financial crisis also played a pretty huge part. And no, I'm not talking about the most recent one, but the one back in 2008. This was supposed to be a fruitful time for the islands, David Beckham was buying a house on Palm Jumeirah, other palm pioneers were moving in and expensive, gorgeous villas lined the palm leaves. However, as the financial and real estate crisis came to a head, private investors pulled out. Few could afford luxurious villas and beachfront properties anymore. While the early 2000s seemed all about surplus and luxury, that abruptly ended with a bang. Now, the developer had debts and project ideas had to be reworked, if not completely scrapped, just to survive. For those who did move in around this time, they gave the island a new name, the eighth blunder of the world. Now the world has had infinitely more blunders than that, so I'm sure you just get that this is a cute play on words. 
The calm, lovely ocean may have been beautiful, but the villas were still way closer together than the brochures showed. There were no spacious gardens in between, and electric bills for air conditioning would run as high as 800 pounds per month. And believe me, I agree it's pretty difficult for me to feel sorry for anyone that spent millions and millions of dollars on these homes. Clearly, they'll be fine without a tropical garden on their island paradise, but still. It just shows that developers did not think these plans through. The weather is harsh, expectations were high, and pretty much everyone involved in this island has, in some way or another, been let down. So that's the end of the story, right? We've got one island built, one delayed indefinitely, while the other, as well as the world islands, are being made the most of. They'll never truly be what was promised, but at least it's not nothing. This is where I actually anticipated ending the episode because up until recently, that was the entire story. However, while starting to dig into this topic, things have changed. Dubai's ruler just announced plans for the second island, Palm Jebel Ali. Jebel Ali is twice the size of Palm Jumeirah. Quote, its visitors and tourists will enjoy more than 80 hotels and resorts that provide beautiful tourist experiences, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, who is also vice president and prime minister of the UAE, said on Instagram. The island sure seems to have potential, and developer Nakheel has already secured well over $4 billion in financing. Now that Dubai has recovered from its tourism sharply declining in 2020 due to the pandemic, the time seems about as right as it's gonna get to finally begin ambitious plans again and finish what they started. It's been over 20 years, so it's time for them to make this dream a reality, right? Unfortunately, this could really just spell out widespread abuse all over again. Palm Jumeirah was only half the size, and yet we know that workers were treated poorly, died, and lived in grueling conditions with little pay. This is still happening all over Dubai, and now, with another even larger Palm Island being developed, I don't have enough faith that something like this will not happen again. I know that there have been efforts to stop this, but from what I've seen, they just haven't been enough. Even HRW and United Nations have said as much, that workplace abuses still continue. It doesn't matter how gorgeous the Palm Islands are as a tourist location, it just feels inherently wrong to try and justify mistreatment because of the glittering metropolis being built there. If this is truly a feat of architectural impossibility, then it also can't be impossible to treat workers fairly and pay them well, right? In the end, I guess that's the real impossibility for these developers. But with all of that being said, that is where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you learned something new here today, and if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. As always, I really appreciate you taking a moment to hang out and check out today's episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.